Good morning, everybody. I'm Steve. Glad you're part of the family today. Go ahead and stand on up. We want to praise God at any time, anywhere, anyone, all together. Got a taste through the darkness, seen through the fire, praise when it don't make sense. Sometimes you gotta stare down the giant, worship from the lion's day. Sometimes you gotta shout it from the mountain, louder in the valley, trusting that he's gonna get you there. Sometimes you gotta welcome the wonder, wait. start to the day you know go have have a seat for a second everybody gets a little tired we do a couple fast songs in a row so uh you know when you get finished or something you say you know singing's not my thing it's, it's my thing of course but singing's not my thing that's okay but clapping maybe you guys are really good at clapping now i'm wearing a shirt that should help you understand that the next song that we're going to do requires a little bit of clapping okay but it requires fast clapping so are you guys good at fast clapping i'm going to count to four yeah exactly 
I'm going to count to four. They're, so, they're jumping the gun here. Right. I'm going to count to four, and then you're going to clap really quick. Da, 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 da. You guys ready for that, okay? So here we go. One, two, three, four. That's beautiful. I have never had the participation that we just had on any song ever done at Capital City Christian Church. That's saying something. Okay, so uh, when we get to that part in the song, you guys got to be ready for that. So, you know, this is not a worship song at all. But, you know, when it comes to community, community is all of everything that we do where we're trying to point to the community that God has given to us and how it should be done. It should be about love. And this shows a lot of that love, okay? Let's sing it together if you know it. Capital City Christian Church. My name is Logan. I'm one of the elders here. We're so excited that you decided to come and spend your Sunday morning with us. The grumpy guy on video, that's our senior minister. He's also excited that you're here as well, despite what his face says. 
so uh, before we dive into why we just did what we just did, do have a few announcements uh, to go over. Coming up next Saturday morning from 7.30 until 9, we have our men's breakfast. Uh, hence breakfast being important because guys don't like to wake up early unless there's food involved. So we have thought about that. We're going to have breakfast next, uh, next Saturday morning. If you've got questions whether or not uh, you should come or not, talk to Tommy Johnson over here, uh, the incredible shrinking man with a uh, very large beard. So uh, find him. The next day, Sunday, we are going to have our uh, start to our candy drive. So we want you to start bringing in candy for our trunk or treat. Uh, bring in twice as much as what you think you need because Doc, John, Steve, and Ben are going to eat about half of it. So uh, bring in a lot. Uh, also, we need to start registering for trunk or treat as far as volunteers go. So we need you to set up a, a trunk. We need you to plan on being here, helping out. Uh, go to capcity.info to register if you need help. Thinking of ideas when it comes to a trunk, uh, you can uh, look at Google, uh, very helpful, uh, or you can talk to uh, Jess uh, and Aaron. They'd be happy to give you some ideas as well. Now, uh, if you are new here, you just listen to this song or you listen to the song in the countdown before service started. Anybody pay attention to what that one was? No, okay, so we don't have to play music anymore, Steve. That's great. Uh, Golden Girls, okay? So if you listen to that or you listen to this song, you are thinking, what sort of sitcom church did I just walk into? And I'll explain it to you. We at Cap City occasionally like to have this little thing called fun. Uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to play a game. Many of you have played this game before. If you haven't, it is called Name That Tune. All of these songs are from various sitcoms or TV shows, and so we're going to play a little bit of it. You guys are going to holler it out, okay? Everybody, everybody understand the instructions? All right, here we go. First one, Stacy. Thank you. I just told you what it was. It was Golden Girls. Oh, my goodness. You got, Ben, don't worry about it. They're not going to listen to you today anyway. So, all right, next song. Very easy. Cheers. Yes. I wanted to implement a rule here at Cap City where if you walk in late, everybody turns around and looks at you and goes, right? That didn't take. It didn't take. I don't know why. All right, next one. What is it? Huh? No. Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso, that's for the younger generation or people that still have a TV today, okay? So uh, another, uh, another fun TV show. All right, next one. Full house. full house, yep, Full House, good job, well done. All right, maybe a couple more. See, now that was the quickest response. You guys watching that trash TV at home. Uh-huh, see where you're at. All right, next one. It was Yellowstone. What is it? Walking Dead again, more trash TV shows. So what do all of these shows have in common? Other than the fact that they're on TV, it's community. And you're thinking, wait, Yellowstone has a community theme? Yes, dysfunctional, but yet still community. Walking Dead. Yes, those zombies always stick together, right? And so here at Cap City, we have four pillars that we believe lead you to a good relationship with God. That is worship, serve, grow, and 
Connect, right? It's very, very important to us. Uh, we have a lot of different modes in which you can do that. Small group. Small group has meant the world to Mackenzie and I. Uh, it's this family that we have built within the church, and, and they are aunts and uncles to our kids. And while it's important to have community that thinks like us, it's as important or more important to have community that doesn't think like you. And that's what we're going to dive into today. So let's stand. Let's worship. You can go and build a mighty mansion, but with no family, all that house just goes to waste. You can fix a feast to feed an army, but with no friends, there's no need to celebrate. Back in the We'll be 
Why don't you guys have a seat again? I am so grateful for this community. And you'll hear stories about this over and over and over again with the people that uh, have come into this place and they have found family. And I love to be able to hear that. As a pastor of this place, every time that I see someone who says, there I was all by myself and now I'm with this family, this community, this small group, whatever it is we call it at that time, I am now in a different place because God has shown me something. He's shown me family. You know, we are mandated through Scripture over and over and over again to be together. We are better together. Hebrews 10 says these words. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Would you pray with me one last time and pray for this community, pray blessings on all of you and all of your communities individually as we come together. God, thank you so much for loving us the way that you've, sh uh, you've loved us, the showing us what perfect and sacrificial looks like in the work of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to be a light to this community. We want this community to grow larger and larger because what we do is we reach out to people and show them a different type of love. We show them a different type of community that they cannot find on TV. They cannot find it at work. They cannot find it in their neighborhood. The love that you've given to us, Father, is the love that this entire world needs. And here we are holding on to ourselves, holding it in because either we're scared or some other reason. But, Father, when we come into this place and we're reminded again that it's not just about what we need in community, but the community needs us. We are at work. We are at work. We are on a mission when we leave this place. Father, we want to be so committed to you and so in love with you that we have to spread this love to the rest of this world. Father, thank you so much for this community. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. I hate this shirt. <laughs> I, I will be there for you. But if you're asking me to watch Friends with you, it's, it's probably a hard pass. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not my deal. Yeah. Uh, last week we looked in uh, the sermon series. We're calling Listen. We're, we're trying to address this idea of how it is that we hear God. How is it that he speaks to us? How is it that he communicates? And we're, we're trying to consider what does it look like to do life with God? How can we live and be in a relationship being with God? What does that look like? And, and last week we saw that there is a, there's a clarity in God's word. The way in which he's revealed himself, the most sure way we have, the most consistent way we have of knowing what it is that God wants within our lives is when we go into his word. And it makes us just for a moment we can pause and be grateful for the fact that it was written down, that it was provided for us, that, that it wasn't just this oral history that has been passed down over the years, but that, but that God actually led men to put into writing the words of Jesus. How cool is it that we actually know what Jesus said and how impactful that can become in our lives? There's power in the written word. But it's not the only place that there's power. There's also power in the voice. There's also power in the voice. If you open up my phone right now and, and went into the actual phone part of my phone, not the computer part of my phone, but if you actually went to the phone part of my phone and you went to the voicemails, you would find three voicemails that I have from my grandmother. My grandmother passed away almost one year ago. And I've kept those voicemails because from time to time, not very often, but every once in a while, I just want to hear her voice again. 
And the voicemails aren't that important. She didn't leave any significant great messages. It was just her calling and she missed me. And so she leaves me a simple message and at the end says, I love you. It means something, doesn't it? I've lived my whole adult life. I've lived far away from my family. I have family in Texas and my wife's family is in Missouri. And, and most of the time that's fine. Okay, it's, it's decisions we've made and we're good with that. But there's, there's times when you miss them, right? And text messaging is very valuable. It's a very good, useful tool to keep in contact and to keep touch with, with family. And it's great. I love that resource. But there's times, there's times when I just need to hear a voice. Does that make sense? There's times in which a text won't do. And I, and I get those calls the other direction as well. I'll, I'll get a call usually from my mother who says, I just need to hear your voice. There's something powerful in a voice, isn't there? And when we think about our relationship with God and we think about this whole desire we have to be able to listen to him speaking to us, maybe you're like me. Maybe there's been a time in your life when you've said, I wish God would just speak to me. I wish I could just hear his voice. I wish God would just speak in a clear manner and just tell me exactly what to do. Have you ever been there? It's power in the voice. I imagine this big booming voice speaking to me. And so I looked into the New Testament and I started looking around at all the places where God speaks, all the different times when he has this vocal, audible tone, the kind of thing that ears hear and understand. And I found something common in every single time that God does this. Every single time that God speaks in an audible tone in the New Testament, every single one points to how God speaks through people. Every time God speaks, he uses it to set someone else up. Every time he speaks, the message is, you need to listen to my people. When God speaks vocally in the New Testament, he uses his voice to give credibility to other voices. He speaks through his people. The message is, listen to each other. There's a few places in the New Testament where he speaks uh, directly to a specific person, stuff like Revelation and Acts chapter 10, Acts 18 and 23, uh, John, Peter, and then Paul. Every single time that he communicates these things, every time he speaks to these people in a very specific message to them, he's setting them up to share what they receive with others. The message isn't for them, it's to be spread. And then there's these places where he speaks to groups. There's these times when this audible voice from heaven speaks and large groups hear it. And it's the stories of like Jesus' baptism or his transfiguration. There's this strange kind of interaction in John 12 and then Acts 13 where the church is praying together and God kind of moves them, but he uses this vocal voice uh, to do it, an audible voice. Every single one of these times, the message is you need to listen or you need to speak. You need to listen or you need to speak. Every single time God uses his voice, all he's doing is he's setting someone else up to use their voice. It's fascinating to me. Maybe the best story we have of this is in Acts chapter 9. It's a guy named Saul's conversion. We mentioned him briefly as Paul right here uh, or in the, in the previous uh, slide. We mentioned him as Paul. We know him better as Paul. We know him better after his conversion. Acts chapter 9 is when he is converted. But previous to that, he goes by the name Saul. And Saul is a pretty bad guy. He has a reputation that precedes him. He is passionate about his God. He is zealous about his God. But he believes that Christians are actually hurting his God. 
And so he goes about the work of hurting Christians. He is a professional persecutor of Christians. He works to have them arrested and, and thrown in jail and eventually potentially even killed. It's his job. Acts chapter 9, he's traveling down the road with legal documentation giving him the authority to persecute Christians. He's on his way to a city called Damascus. When this uh, amazing moment happens, there's this bright light and he's instantly blinded and he falls to his knees and he's, he's just struggling, right? And he hears this voice begin speaking to him and it's this. It says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I love this because in your, in your Bible, if you're reading this right out of the text, it's probably in red letters. Because this is the voice of Jesus, the next thing he says is, I am Jesus. But this isn't Jesus like in the flesh. This isn't Jesus like even after his resurrection, how he's kind of like almost shapeshifter Jesus, all right? This is like Jesus from heaven. This is loud, vocal, audible voice from heaven speaking down into the world. And this is, this is God speaking, and the message to Saul is, why are you attacking me? Why are you persecuting me? Which would have stunned him for sure, right? And he goes on, he says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. You will be told what to do. Is that strange to anybody in here? What do you mean I'm going to be told what to do? You're already talking to me, right? Like, Jesus, you're talking to me right now. What do you mean I'm going to be told what to do? Why don't you just go ahead and tell me what to do? Sometimes we pray that, don't we? Sometimes we wish that God would just come and speak to us and tell us what to do. And yet here we see God speaking this audible voice from heaven, and the message is, go do this, and then you're going to be told what to do after that. Because it seems like God just likes to use people. That's his plan. A few verses later, this audible voice, Jesus' audible voice from heaven speaks to a guy named Ananias. He says, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, ask for a man from Tarsus who's named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. That's valuable when your name is Ananias. Ananias knew who Saul was. He had to have. Like, it's very probable that Ananias knew who Saul was. Saul's reputation preceded him. It's highly likely that Ananias knew Saul was coming to town. It's very likely that, that Ananias was, in fact, hiding from Saul. He didn't want to interact with Saul. Saul was there to kill Christians. Ananias is a Christian. This is the complete opposite of what Ananias wanted. This is kind of like one of those mom situations. Remember when you were little and your mom would come home? She's like, hey, I told Joey down the street that you're going to come play with him. You know, Joey, your friend? And you're like, mom, that's not my friend. And she's like, well, I already told him you're coming, so get over there. He's about to be your friend, right? You remember that? This is what happens with Ananias. Like, Jesus just sets them up. He's like, hey, I already told him you're gone your way. It's going to be great. You guys are going to get along so well. And Ananias is like, I'm pretty sure he's here to kill me. <laughs> this isn't exactly what I want. And so the very next thing that we read, Jesus says, go with an exclamation point. And then he says this, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name. That's a very interesting statement, very interesting phrase to me, before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Why is it that God can speak audibly to Ananias and to Saul, but his plan is that Saul's going to go speak? Is that interesting to you? Because he can do it, it's God's voice, he's talking, 
Jesus talks to Ananias about Saul, and he speaks to Saul about Ananias, this voice of his works, and people hear it. Why is it that he keeps just setting them up to speak? God's voice sets up Jesus in the Gospels. God's voice sets up Barnabas and Saul in the book of Acts to be sent out as missionaries. God's voice sets up Ananias to minister to Saul. God's voice sets up Saul to be ministered to by Ananias. When God speaks vocally in the New Testament, he uses his voice to give credibility to other voices. And his message every single time is listen. Listen. Listen to this guy. Listen to him. He's going to tell you what you need to do. Or, or his message is speak. Go tell them what I've told you. Deliver this message that I've given you. It's fascinating to me that God's plan is us. I don't think it's the way I would have done it. I don't think that would have been my plan. But it seems to be his. Outside of Scripture, we saw this last week. We looked at Scripture. It's the most cons- consistent way that God's spoken to us. It's the most foundational way, and we keep coming back to it. But outside of that, outside of Scripture, the most consistent way in which God is going to speak to us is through other Jesus followers in your life. The most frequent way that God is going to speak to you outside of Scripture is going to be when other Jesus followers in your life are speaking the truths of God to you. There's a guy named Andy Stanley who's a preacher down in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and he calls this providential relationships. Providential relationships, which just basically means God uses people to change or to challenge or to encourage others, that he uses people to to build up, to talk to, to hold accountable And Andy Stanley says that there's two things that make a relationship uh, providential. It's when we hear from God through someone or when we see God in someone. Which means that every person who comes to faith in Jesus had someone play an instrumental role in getting them there. And I know this is true. There may be some part of you that reads this and you may be pushed back. Every person who comes to faith in Jesus had someone playing this role. I don't know. I know. I know my story and I know many of your stories and I know lots of other stories, okay? This is kind of my job, all right? And I will sit in the back with someone just before they get baptized and I'll ask them the questions of how did you get here? And there's always at least one name. There's always one person. There's always somebody who spoke God into their lives, and led them to the point where they're making a decision to bring God into their life. Every person who's experienced a significant movement from God will likely point to a person or to a group of people who played a large part in that experience. I have those names. When I was young, his name was David Robertson, Bobby Duncan, guys who played a big role in my life. When I was in my teen years, his name was Jason Price. It was friends like Andy Watkins and Justin Horn. In college, it was a guy named Sean Wilson. In adulthood, it's been mentors like Michael Curtis and Tom Farrington, all who've played a significant role in shaping me and making me who I am. The most influential, the most significant people in my life who've spoke God into my life have been my parents, my wife. That's what they do. They've moved me, and they've shaped me. They've molded me. They've impacted me. They've led me. They've influenced me. And you have those names too. 
You're sitting in this room because of a name. There's someone who has pushed you or pulled you or encouraged you or challenged you or spoke into your life. There's a name that goes with your story, and it's the fulfillment of Hebrews chapter 10. It's actually the fulfillment of Scripture. Chapter 10, starting in verse 24, says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us think about, let us consider, let us ponder what it would mean if we would spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You see, I'm the fulfillment of this. I'm literally standing in front of you today because people did this. People thought, how can I spur Ben Webb along? I need a lot of spurring, guys. How can we do that? How can we move him forward? And this one another phrase, pushing us, spurring us one another toward love and good news, this one another phrase, if you ever want to look at what community looks like in the New Testament, do a study of that phrase, one another. And all the times that it's used, all the times that we're told to encourage one another, love one another, comfort one another, challenge one another, hold each other accountable, have compassion. The very next thing, it says, let us consider we may, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and then continuing on, go back, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You can't do this one another business individually. You can't do the one another stuff separate from each other. It requires that we come together. It requires that we be together. And it's not a Sunday morning, once a week kind of a thing, stare at the back of someone else's head. It's community. It's life that's shared together. That's what encouraging one another, that's where it takes place. He says, all the more as you see the day approaching. We have a strength and community that we don't have individually. We have opportunities to hear God in community that we don't have individually. I mean, you understand that as we're doing the sermon series, we're trying to talk about how to do life with God. You can't do life with God without the people of God. You can't do it. You can't do it absent of the community of people who are trying to do life with God, which means that if you aren't surrounding yourself with Jesus' followers, then you're preventing one of the most significant ways that God speaks to you. If you aren't looking around, if, if, if there's any desire in you that you want Jesus or God to speak into your life, but you aren't bringing people who love him and are trying to follow him with their lives, if they're not in your life, then you're muzzling one of the most significant ways that God can speak to you. And I think it's kind of hypocritical as a Jesus follower. As a Jesus follower, it's very hypocritical of me to claim to be a follower of Jesus, but not to be in relationship with other followers of Jesus. I think most, the most hypocritical thing you could do would be if, if you claim to be a Jesus follower, but you never read his word. Just like a half step behind that is the Jesus follower who refuses to be in community with other Jesus followers. Because you can't do life with God without the people of God. See, we all have this responsibility that God has given us to speak. He's called us to speak. We are actually God's mouthpiece. And again, I don't know if it's the plan I would have chose, but it's his plan. God speaks through you to those who make themselves available to him. And God can show up in any conversation. When you speak, 
as a known Christian, people actually expect that you're representing God in all of your conversations. They actually expect that somehow a word of God would come through you. He can show up in any conversation, which means that sometimes my speech doesn't really match God's. There's times when I misrepresent him and it's not God honoring. It means that I ought to care more about my words. If I'm a Jesus follower, I care deeply about the things that I'm saying because I'm representing him at all times. And my words have weight. I need to be careful and attentive and I need to be serious. And it's in every scenario I find myself, it's deeply true within your home. If you're a believer in Jesus and yet you speak not things of Jesus to the people within your home, you're doing serious damage. At the same time, a careful word of God in your home is powerful. Same in your workplace, it's same in your backyard with your friends. The words you use are important, and it's true whether you're speaking to those who are Jesus followers or to those who are not yet Jesus followers. Our words matter. And on the other end of that, I mean, it matters how we speak, but it also matters how we listen. If you're not in community, I said it already before, you may be muzzling God's voice. If God speaks through Jesus' followers, but you aren't surrounding yourself with Jesus' followers, then you're limiting the ways in which God will speak to you. And I think that's a big deal. In Romans chapter 12, there's a guy named Paul who writes this. It's the same Saul that we talked about earlier in his conversion. He writes all these letters in the New Testament, and in chapter 12 of Romans, he begins laying out a, a similar analogy that he uses several other places, other letters that he writes, but I think it's really significant for us. He says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, which this is basic biology, you'll notice that each of us has one body, and our parts that we have are all individual and yet connected they all form one body but it's made up of many different parts and the parts are different they have different functions they have different purposes but they're complementary to one another they're helpful to each other right paul says so in christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others just like just like we see in a physical body, the church, the, the community of Jesus, the Jesus followers who form together form one body. And we have all these different things that we bring to the table. We have all these different things that we're able to fulfill, all these different skills, all these different gifts is exactly what Paul calls it in verse 6. He says we have different gifts according to the grace that has been given us. And then he gives a list. He gives a list in several other places that are different than this list in Romans chapter 12. The idea is we're all part of this body and everyone has something that someone else needs. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has an ability that someone else lacks. That all of us are incomplete by ourselves. None of us on our own is able to completely exist as the body of Christ. We're only a part of that body but that there's responsibility to one another. It would be like if my hand, my right hand just decides I'm right-handed, I use it for writing and eating and everything else. If my right hand suddenly decided that it was no longer going to grip silverware, it would deeply affect my life. And it just decides, you know what, it's not for me anymore, I don't wanna do it. And my 
right hand doesn't have a mind of its own, right? But if it did, and it wouldn't affect it right away, right? Like it doesn't have any job in the food digestive process. It doesn't seem to affect it at all, and yet eventually, you know, over time, it would feel the effects of, of not eating. The body of Christ works like that. The body of Christ works like that. We need one another, even in the ways that we don't understand how we need one another. We need one another, that collectively we're able to do something that we can't do individually, because individually each of us lacks something. We all have a responsibility to give something within this body because everyone else lacks something. Everyone's incomplete. If we want to be able to hear God, then we, then we need each other. Other people need you so that God can speak into their lives. You're needed. And you also need to receive. You are also incomplete. You are also lacking. And that in and of yourself, you need people around you to be able to speak into your life. That if you're going to be able to hear from God, if he's going to speak in your life, you need other people to come around and speak those words into you. I want you to do a quick just evaluation in your mind of your life and the relationships that you have with people. I'm going to ask these questions. Who's walking beside you? When you're looking through your life and you're wondering who it is that, that's, that's walking beside you. Do they have the same goals? Do they have the same purposes? Are they wanting to have the same relationship with Jesus that you're wanting to have? Are they trying to get to the same places that you're trying to get? Are you surrounding yourself with the one another's who are going to love and, and hold accountable to the ones who are going to challenge you and also build you up? Are you surrounded with people who are going to, to give compassion and grace and also speak truth? Do you have one another's beside you? And then also look behind you. Pay attention to the people that God has put into your life that you need to be speaking the words of God to. Pay attention to the ones who, who need you to speak his truths for them and bring them along and encourage them and support them and help them out. There should be someone behind you that God is using you to speak to and who's walking before you. There should be someone in front of you who's also speaking those truths into your life. That there's someone else who's, who's, who has the word of God working in them and it's pouring out of them and it's pouring into your life. This is what it looks like to be in a healthy community, to be in a healthy relationship with God and, and being, doing life with God means that you're doing life with his people doing life with other Jesus followers, and it means that you're going to look around here and see people beside you and behind you and before you, people who are encouraging you while you're encouraging others, while you're in a group of people all working to get to the same place. The reality is we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough on our own. We're not. But together we're gooder. We're not gray, but we're gooder. And together we're smarter. Together we're stronger. Like if we're going to be serious about doing life with God, for God, God's way, this word together has to come back in, right? We're better at it when we do it together. 
which means if you're living in isolation, if you're looking around and you're finding that you don't have that community, you're in a bad spot, aren't you? It's why one of the things that we care deeply about here at Cap City is our life groups and getting people connected into those. And if that's you, if, if you're in a place of isolation and you're needing community, I want to challenge you. We've got a display set up as you go out into the foyer off to your left. Vern's out there working that all day long. We want to help you get put into a life group. We're hoping to start, you know, five, maybe up to ten over this next couple weeks, getting people put into groups so that we can help get people in community so that God can speak into their life and that God can use them to speak into other people's lives. One of the biggest challenges we have right now is finding leaders. And I want to speak specifically to you. I think there's some people who feel like they don't need community. They don't need a life because they're healthy. They're fine. They don't need it. They sound like that hand who's not real interested in the digestive process. And in the same way, I think that, I think that eventually you may find that if you'd have had a community, it would have been helpful to you. We need people to start thinking outside themselves, and we need people to start looking at how they can help other people in different positions and then find out at the back end that they were blessed by it too. We believe that this is the best way to live. We really do. Here at Cap City, we really believe that living like this with God and for God, God's way, is the best possible way to live. And when we do, it's gonna call us into community. Let's pray. God, I am grateful for how good you are to us. God, I'm grateful for how patient you are, how compassionate you are. God, I am, I'm grateful that when you call me to follow you, you don't call me to do so in isolation, but that you surround me, you have surrounded me with people who can speak into my life, who can empower me and encourage me and support me through all things. God, I'm grateful that there is a community, that together I'm stronger, together we are stronger. And God, I don't completely understand why your plan is my voice. I don't completely understand why the way you choose to speak to me is in the lives of the people around me, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you care, and I'm grateful that you have a plan. God, help me to be a part of it. God, you're good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's what we need. We need uh, community. We need home. We need all of those things that we're talking about. And so in a few moments, we're going to go to the tables. And uh, if you've noticed, we're kind of changing things up a little bit. I'm having them bring the lights up because I, I want us to actually focus in on our community around you. Go ahead, look around. Go ahead, look around at your friends. All right? This is family.
Now, some of you are like, uh-uh, no, never again. I'll never be here again. <laughs> but when you go to the tables today, uh, we're going to be thinking about things a little bit differently. And as, uh, as Ben was finishing up the message, there, there were some questions that were up here. And, and he said, who is walking beside you? Who is walking behind you? Who is walking before you? You're going to get a physical chance to do this as you go to the tables in a few moments. There will be people who are in front of you. There will be people right beside you. There will be people behind you. And I want you to see those faces today. We typically don't turn the lights on because you guys are kind of distracting toward each other, right? And toward us, too. But today, we want that distraction to, to make sense. You can see the people beside you, behind you, and before you. And when you go to the table, there's a bunch of them around this, this room. You're going to get a chance to be able to take communion together. There are people watching you, there are people behind you, in front of you, all these different things here. And it's okay. I want you to be able to kind of embrace that in this place today. When you take the bread and the juice, this is a way to, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That he has sacrificed his blood and his body so that we can have this family that is surrounding with us right now. If uh, this is your home and you want to give a, 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 an offering today, if you want to give up your first fruit, as we kind of say sometimes, you know, you can put that into the boxes that are at each of the stations. And we have this other thing that we do called the generous bucket, and that helps to, to hit some needs that are in our community, the people that are in this room, outside of this room, and, that, and the community at large as well. So I'd love for you to be thinking about these questions as you stand right now. Go ahead and stand. And as you go to the tables, be thinking, who is walking beside you, behind you, and before you?
hear your voice as loud as we sing glory, glory. Sons and daughters, we are the children of God. We are people who've been made because of his love. Follow Jesus Christ. Remember how we were living and now what we have because of him. We shout it out to him.
Hey, just real quick, thanks again for being here and worshiping with us today. It is so very nice to actually stand up here and be able to see you. That's very unique. That's great. All right. So, um, again, just a challenge, guys. If, if you're needing some community, please, please don't walk out of here without it. That's on you, all right? And so, so walk out. We've got it set up. I'd love to get us uh, some, some new groups going, get you guys connected in uh, to some community, all right? So we need people. We need leaders, all those kinds of things. Please be willing to do that. Uh, but, like, go ahead and go. So go do it. <laughs> Thank you.